You're now listening to J House Radio in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. So what? Someone hit your block up, I tell you if it was us. Man, a house in Rosewood, this shit too plush. It's cool, man. Got red bottoms on. Life is good. You know what I mean? for the cheapest ring on the nigga finger, little bitch. How the flu? Yo, Ev. What up? What it do, bro? How you doing today? A lot better than yesterday. I feel you, bro. You had to put that work in. I feel you. Yeah, today I actually got off, so I've yeah. uh, just been relaxing. I've had my coffee, and I'm in a much – I can form sentences better today. <laughs> <laughs> you can form sentences better. I feel you on that. I woke up this morning and did that yard work. I had to get that grass cut, and uh, that was – uh, yeah, so that was that. But man, was fun. Yeah, it, it was fun. But, man, welcome everyone who's tuning in live on IG. Uh, welcome everyone who's going to be tuning in later after this podcast is posted. Welcome to J House Podcast Radio. This is episode number 110, adding up, stacking up the catalog. Happy Friday to everyone. How's everyone doing? Hope everyone's doing good. Um, so uh, after yesterday's conversation, uh, which was sort of more on a serious note and a darker one, not a darker one per se, but just a serious note. Um, uh, we decided to lighten the mood and go with another top five for today. This is a top five that we haven't done yet. We've done top five villains. We've done top five non-Marvel and DC film. We've done top five uh, heroes and things like that of that nature. Um, but this one is top five favorite Marvel and DC films. Um, Evan pointed out that the criteria for this one was um, this is all early. This is all um, 2000s. So anything from 2000 and after um, this is based off uh, acting performances, memorable lines and quotes. And, and that those are some, that's some great criteria. And it was hard for me to make this list because when you talk about favorite or best, um, it's all still so subjective in the mind of the viewer. You know what I'm saying? There may be some iconic lines that people find in some films that others might not, per se. So it was a very tough list, man, for me. And um, nobody cussed me out or get mad. I don't have any Marvel films in my top five because they, they, they're just yeah. not there. But they are. I have a lot of them in my honorable mentions. So, yeah, Damn. it's tough. It's tough. So... See, my list is like more Marvel than DC. So this is going to be interesting. interesting. And and I, and I want to say for the record, before we begin, I want to say for the record that I do not, because people are going to be like, oh, you're so biased, DC. Like, I'm not biased against Marvel. I love Marvel. Marvel has come out with some of the most iconic films of all time. However the ones that I deem to be the best or favorite just happen to be the ones that just resonated with me the most, the ones that I find iconic performance wise, moment wise, just, just awesome overall. So, um, I feel like right now I could guess all five of your top five, but I'm you're going to be surprised. Well, 
my my t- my one and two you'd probably be able to guess. Maybe my three, I'm not sure, but my four and five are pretty much gonna gonna I, be surprising. I feel, I, I feel like I know what films you have on there. Oh, you. Know. But well, it's only because well, it's only because you said you have all DC movies, and there's not a lot to pick from since. Mm-mm, not at all. This, but. Real quick, I want to say for this list, I didn't really look at it as personal favorite. I went more off of a less subjective and looked more at the actual performances. How was yeah. the acting? How were the fight scenes? The visual effects and everything else. Yeah. And also um, the right. scripts. Like how good were these scripts? And uh, memorable lines, of course. Yeah. Uh, with that being said, Mr. Houston. Go ahead and kick us off with number five. Going in with number five. I just turned off my speaker for that. Anyone who heard that noise, that was that was just my speaker. Um, at number five is a DC property that is outside of the DC canon done by Frank Miller. Uh, this film goes by the name of 300 at number five. Um, oh, come on, man. That's cheating. That's, that's cheating. That's cheating. That's not a DC. That okay. is three hundred. Is a DC prop. It's a DC property under uh, the Vertigo label, I think. Vert, let me see. Let me double check that because I want to make sure. I want to make sure that I'm not that I'm not tripping because I know for sure that three hundred was under uh, three hundred is a a DC publication. Let me make sure. Let me see. I mean that's a great movie. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it it really is. It's a legendary movie. Let me see. Based on the, uh, let me see. Let me see. I'm trying to make sure, man, because that that would suck if I have to take if I have to take it off because I may I may have to take it off. Well, I've, oh. I've been more specific and been like. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I have to take it off. It's a Dark Horse Comics property. I'm so... Oh, that hurts. Okay, I'm going to have to take it off. You're right. Okay, go ahead Go ahead with your number five while I think for a second. Yeah. Oh, I'm so hurt. <laughs> oh, man. How could I make such a mistake? You can't have Zack Snyder at every single spot. I can't. Come on. I can't. That's can't. That sucks. You can't. You can't have Zack oh. Snyder everywhere. Then you're gonna. <laughs> but anyway, my... Oh God. Okay. All right. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. What, what you got? My number five. I picked an actual Marvel or DC film. The shade. <laughs> uh, but for mine, this is not an MCU film. But I think it's. It, this is just a great film. And this one was so tough, too, because at number five, I was debating either this movie right, or right. Watchmen. But that, that, that was going to be my yeah. number five. And, I've, and the number five film, by the way, is Logan. Okay. That's what I have there. Uh, and I went back and forth on this because Watchmen's amazing, but so is yeah. Logan. Uh, but at the end, what I had to go by is villain performances and as much as i loved ozymandias in watchman uh boyd holbrook as donald pierce 
Holy crap. People don't talk about don't. this guy enough. They don't talk about this guy enough. This dude was, to me, he was probably, if I had to do a lit, redo my uh, Marvel and DC villain list, I'd have him in the top five. I don't think I had him in it, uh, but he should be. And Logan as a whole, what I loved about it so much is how dark and gritty it right. was. Um, this film, to me, and in, in my opinion, I would submit that this is the darkest Marvel slash DC movie. Yeah. I would, I would now. The only other films that I think you could argue that might be darker is Joker right. or Watchmen. That's right. about it. Um. But this film, just amazing performance by Don, uh, Boyd Holbrook as Donald Pierce. And obviously, we all know Hugh Jackman, born to play Wolverine, killed it right. in every film. Um, but the fight scenes in this movie is another main thing that got me. The brutality of them. Like, given that this movie was right. rated R, you got to see you got to see Wolverine really jack some right. people up. Like, that opening scene where he gets jumped, oh my god, right. that was brutal. I believe that. Um and people talk about Iron Man dying in Avengers right. Endgame. And I'm like, man, Lo I'm like, man, Logan and this one to me hit yeah. way harder. Pe people forget that before exactly. before Logan I mean before Iron Man was even on the map, it was always Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, you know. Well, yeah, because I mean, how many films has he been a lot in? at least 10 i believe if i'm not six seven ten because i'm do, I'm, I'm doing the math here because like with robert downey jr you got the three iron man yeah. movies the four avengers movies and then captain america civil it's war so nine with, uh homecoming spider-man homecoming oh forgot yeah. about that one uh that was a good movie too but yeah i got logan at number five um the writing was amazing. The lines, uh, the performances were amazing. Uh, I love that line so much. Donald Pierce has when he gets in the uh, limo, the Wolverine. As I as live, I live and breathe. Breathe. like the, those lines, like, it was amazing. Uh, his good. I love Logan, so that's why I said the number five. Spot. I feel like that's a good. That's a good five spot. I I hated the way Donald Pierce referred to like Wolverine in like past tense because like I swear he swears up and down that the X Men adventures never happened to Laura. He swears up and down like this is a comic book. It's not real. But here goes like Donald just fanboying like yeah, I've heard about you. I know what you can do. You know what I'm saying? So it, that 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 did make him very compelling. That's a good number five. Mm -hmm. All right, have you got? I have a new number five, five and I had to. Has Mar has has Marvel made the list now? Or it's still it all DC? DC. Oh my god! Because and okay. here's why it's all DC because Marvel may make they do make amazing and great movies. But when we talk about like true depth and compelling, like just like something that ugh, you'd have you you feel it to experience it. At number five, I have Joker with Joaquin Phoenix for my number five. I'm kind of surprised that one wasn't already in your top five. Well, I had to, I had to think about the criteria. The criteria also for me has to be the film has to have a significant message concerning an everyday area of life. It has to have 
a significant message and really speak on something and have a root of something that it speaks out on. It can't just be a random movie about adventures and, oh, a hero does this and does that. It has to speak on a certain aspect of real life that we face today. And a lot of a lot of Marvel films and DC films do that. But these are the ones that did that the strongest for me. Um, at number at, at five is Joker and Joker really just it was a for when we talked about that minority that wanted to, you know, boycott Joker, which obviously didn't work, according to the critics and box office. It didn't work, as you stated correctly, always um, spoke on a mental health issue. And I've always me. Like and I say this with a lot of heroes that I never liked to begin with. Like I was never interested in Superman until Zach gave him a purpose and really brought him into the 21st century. I was I, I was always interested in Joker since Heath Ledger, you know, came to the fray. I knew Bat I knew Joker was always Batman's arch nemesis, but it really Oh Goat Ledger. Yeah, the Goat, goat Ledger. Ledger. It, and when, when Ledger took over the role, it just sort of you know, it amplified Joker from a pop culture standpoint. But I real I never felt sympathy for Joker until Joaquin stepped into the shoes and they took it from that angle because he had a mental health issue. No one would pay attention to him, would help him out. And um he had a lot of great uh to me iconic moments in that film, especially the final interview. Um which everyone would agree is his uh, Oscar moment where he's like, Oh God. Yeah. It's very like when he's talking to the crowd, I feel like he's talking to us, like everyone in the modern day, like, you know, you guys are so distracted doing everything else you want to do, you know, but if I get hurt, you know, you like people will cry like, Oh, you'll cry about uh, someone getting shot and robbed on the street. But like, if it was me, you guys will just walk walk right over me. Like, you guys don't care about me. You know what I'm saying? Literally. And his snapping moment, when he snaps at Murray for playing his video, you know what I'm saying? And somehow, Murray, to me, like, is just the symbolic nature of the media and how the media, no matter how much you plead for help, no matter how much you cry for help, somehow the media is going to turn around and, like, try to spin the narrative. Arthur was getting jacked. He was getting beat up. What was he supposed to do? So these guys are douchebags. He kills them and he did it in self-defense. They were awful people. And somehow all Murray seems to get is, oh, you killed these three guys and took their lives. So you think you're justified in that? I'm like, bro, that would have made anybody snap. And he got what he deserved right there on spot. It's the consequence of not listening to people that need help before it's too late. And that that to me is what makes Joker such a powerful movie. So that's why I go with Joker at number five. Joaquin, iconic performance, uh, very great story on mental health. And to me, bought Joker, brought, brought Joker t- uh, some sympathy because I've never felt sorry for Joker as a character, you know. Well, and on, let me say this too. Joker is not a character you're supposed to feel sorry right. for, but the movie was right, right. great. That that would kind of ruin a lot of it if you ever start feel sympathy for him, yeah. But yeah, uh, my favorite thing about that film, like in addition to talking about mental health, it also talked about um, 
you know, a lot of people throw around the term white privilege, which I do think exists, but I think an even bigger term is wealth privilege. Because yeah. last night you and I talked about, like, or two nights ago, I told you that the most important color in this country isn't white it's or green. black, it's green. Yeah. And Joker actually spoke mm-hmm. on that. Because the three boys that Joker killed were all well off, you know, working for Thomas Wayne. And so, you know, you had this rich guy, Thomas Wayne, saying, these were three good men who worked for me. Even though, if you saw the truth, you would see they were trying to rape this girl and then they were beating up Joker. So, I mean... It's sad, but you know it spoke on that, and so it was a very powerful. Yeah, film. and that's true. And and in the background, what the last thing I'll say before we move on to number four is about Joker. The background, like I love the fact that they didn't just focus on Joker; they focused on Gotham too. And in the background, to everything on the news and on the radio, you can hear it. Gotham is drowning in debt. Uh, trash is piling up in the Narrows where. People who don't have opportunities have to live. So there's this big and they look at Thomas Wayne like, oh, Thomas Wayne's going to fix everything. But, you know, that's easy to say, you know, when you're a billionaire and you don't have to face that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, That correlates with Batman Begins, too. When Rachel, when uh, she looked at him, uh, looked at Bruce and and uh, she took him to the Narrows and was like, because of the inequality gap and what's going on in Gotham with these politicians, they're flooding the Narrows every day and they're making it this way, you know? So that's, that's just crazy to me. But on to number four. Number four, I, I know I told you I put another DC movie in there, but I just kicked it off again. So I've only got one DC movie okay. on here now. Um, cause this is so tough and I was going to have Joker on here. That was the other film, but I just kicked it off uh, a minute ago, right before we started for my other number four spot. Um, for number four, I was going to have a tie between infinity war and yeah. Endgame, but I felt like that was cheating. So I had to pick between one of the two. And although I like them both infinity war, just hit. It did. Movie. It did. So number, at number at number four, I have Avengers Infinity War. Okay. And here's why. Josh Brolin Thanos. Yeah. That's why. Because I've never seen a villain have so much hype going yeah. into a film. Like, we knew yeah. what was coming. Thanos has been hyped. He'd been shown. He'd been teased. And finally, he's here. He's here. Yeah. Thanos is here. And there's that line Thanos delivers, dread from, uh, dread it, run from it, destiny arrives, and yeah. now it's here. Or should I say, yeah. I am. Like that line, every line Thanos gives in that movie is iconic. Soup. Damn near. Damn yeah. near all of them. And we can also talk about how amazing of a villain he was. I mean, the first time we see him, what is he doing? Well, he puts the whooping yeah. on Thor, then puts the whooping on Hulk. And then breaks Loki's neck without Brute, breaking a sweat. That's like three murders, like two, two living murders, and then one literal murder, and all within like the first fifteen minutes of the film. Like, dang. And and that's not just two Avengers. That's two of the three most powerful yeah. Avengers that he just freaking. 
Eh, bye. I'll, and didn't he say that's too? Didn't that's he it? say that? He said his lightning turns the legs to jelly. I'm like, <laughs> what? I mean, dude, it was brutal. And then, you know, throughout the whole film, I mean, my God, later on, Thanos takes on Iron Man, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, and the Guardians on one planet and whooped them all. I mean, he went, this dude went head up with Doctor Strange yeah. and beat him. And then on Wakanda, which that's another thing, too. The battle on Wakanda was amazing. The best MCU like, battle Thor, ever. Yeah. Thor showing up. What? Well, I don't know. I feel like the final fight in Avengers Endgame might be the best battle ever. Yeah. It, I don't know. It, it depends on which context you want to view it in, I guess. I'm not sure. I, I feel like the Endgame one was more epic because it was everybody on one yeah. battlefield. Like, like this is everyone. Avengers Infinity War, they kind of broke it up some, but yeah. it's still awesome. Um, but also, overall, this is one of the MCU's more serious films. There's not a lot of... I mean, it has its one-liners it it here yeah. or there. It's, it, but overall, it's not... I mean, it's a right. They film. they're taking they took it they uh, took this threat seriously. And I'm pretty didn't the Russo yeah the Russos directed this yeah. Those guys, I, I'm gonna say this. I know the stereotype for Marvel films is that they're all goofy and like more kid friendly, but I feel like the Russos they don't really play by that. I mean, they're not, you know, they're not going real yeah. dark, but. I mean, for right. Christ's sake, when you put someone getting their neck snapped in the opening scene yeah. of a film, you know, and then you show all the kids, heroes, getting absolutely yeah. murked. I mean, but the overall thing with Infinity War I love so much is how it was the culmination of everything. Like, it's all coming right. to a head. This, this is what we've been building towards. It's Thanos, and it's the Avengers. Let's go. And Thanos right. delivered. Like he he had to be right. bad, and my favorite the, the line that put of uh, Avengers Infinity War over Endgame was the scene where Thor gets uh, throws his axe through Thanos, and there's this whole collective. Okay, heck yeah, the Avengers we got, got yeah, him. Here it's we over. go. <laughs> and then Thanos hits him with that. You should have gone for the you head should. line. And then I was like, I was Crap. like, oh shit, wait, wait a minute. And then he snaps, and I'm like, yeah. no. After all that, they yeah. lost. And we all had to watch in horror as Black Panther, Doctor Strange, and even Spider-Man. Oh, Sp Spider-Man was, was different. My, yeah. Everybody was... That was did. different. Oh, my God. That was heartbreaking. But that whole film, the acting was superb by everyone. The lines yeah. were amazing. The fight scenes were some of the best, not just in Marvel, but in cinematic yep. history, like the choreography for MCU fights are on a different level. Yeah, like I don't have it on the list, but Captain America: uh, Winter Soldier, the the uh, the fights in that movie might be the best choreographed fights I've ever seen. At at like, mass scale, yeah, insanely good. They are insanely yeah. good. Um. But yeah, I got Infinity War number four. Who's number three? We're getting into the best of the best now. All right, but, but yeah, before I go to my number four, um, 
just a little one more side note about Infinity War. My favorite part of that film was actually them dying. And people aren't going to like that, but it's true. Because for 10 straight years, I've been going to MCU films and hearing everybody, ha, 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 so funny. Yeah, the Avengers win. But, like, it was such a sweet sound to hear, like, after, like, while the Avengers are dying, it was such a sweet sound just hearing people just like, no, that's not supposed to happen. I heard, like, when Spider-Man died, no cap, this is true. Like, I heard a guy scream out, that's freaking bullish. I'm like, ha, 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 ha. I know who didn't read the comics because it was hilarious. Just like, and then. Well, I mean, but you can understand people feeling oh, yeah. some type of way about, about, I mean, we all love Tom Holland, sure. Spider-Man. I can like, Come on. I can understand. Watching a 16-year-old fade to ash in the arms of Tony yeah. Stark. I mean, oh my God, they had to drag yeah. that one. What's up, Oni Mass? Thanks for joining the live, man. Uh, yeah, for sure, bro. I, I, I can't. I can't. That, 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 that just went yeah. hard. Walking out the theater, everyone shuffling in silence, just walking in silence and having to go home and go to bed with it on their conscience. I'm like, yeah, lay with that for about a year. Ha! It was, it was, but yeah. Oh, what? Man, you are I, I have to be because that's the essence of Marvel. When we talk about comic book events, like, well, but hold on, though, Eric. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a film where the heroes. No, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm just. I laugh at the notion that some people think that superheroes always win, so that when they lose, people are actually outraged at it. I'm like, this is Infinity War. I knew from the beginning that they had no chance against Thanos. I knew he was going to win. There was He wrecked him. But uh, well, who you got next? For number four, next? it is a selection out of the Chris Nolan trilogy of Batman. Um, For my number four, and I know you may take, I don't know if you may take offense. Some people may take offense. Oh, no. But, um, for number four, to me, it was all about the consequence of the action and the truth that was built on a lie and the events that happened after that. Um, so for me, I have The Dark Knight Rises at number four. Oh, that's fine. I thought you were about to say a different no. No, no. no. Oh, you're good. And, and the reason why I have Rises at number four, and because, and, and I'm going to let people know now, The Dark Knight is not on my list. It's not on there. And the reason why is because the Dark Knight in legacy and in retrospect is so villain centric that when we bring up the Dark Knight 50 years from now, they're still going to be talking about Heath Ledger and the Joker. It wasn't it was more so about the anarchy and Batman being caught in between it more so than it was, you know, Batman trying to go on the offensive because, you know, at the end of the day, he still had to go in with truth that was based on a lie so when bane comes out of nowhere you know from the league of shadows and sort of brings this thing full circle and exposes the lies that gordon and batman had to build on top of harvey dent um to me that was just so powerful um one of the most iconic scenes i think people to me that people overlook is when um number one 
Batman versus Bane for the first time. Uh, and it's it's hard it's 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 a, it's hard for people to watch because they're used to Batman being dominating. But man, the silence, just having Bane's goons watch from below. Bane's just like methodically, you know what I'm saying. That fight was every bit of every bit of cerebral and brutal as it could get, and like Bane just talking during the whole thing, you know, it was just it was awesome. And another point of the dialogue was that Alfred warned him about this. They were in the Batcave looking at the security footage. He warned him. He's like, look at his speed, his ferocity. He's like, I see. Raz out. Ooh, I see the League of Shadows, League of Shadows resurgent. He's like, this ain't somebody that you used to deal with. You can't just strap up your leg and go out there and try to throw hands with this dude. He's gonna destroy you. You know what I'm saying? And that's what Bane did. Um, the final scene, the ending scene with, I mean, not the ending scene. Well, I'll get to it, but the uh, scene where Bane exposes Gordon's letter saying that Harvey Dent did indeed turn into a bad guy and that Batman had to step in and sacrifice. That right there just threw Gotham into a frenzy because all those criminals you locked up under the act, which was a reaching act that locked up a lot of criminals, all those criminals got out because it was based on a lie. It was not the truth. And so, you know, step forward, those who would serve, you know, and tear down the city, you know, and we'll create a new city all while saying that, hey, about in, about, you know, a few months time, I'm going to blow Gotham up to a hellhole with a nuclear bomb. It was just beautiful. The poetry was it was just beautiful. Um, the ending scene where Talia reveals herself to Bruce and she says she goes into this speech about how, you know, how it's the slow knife that kills, you know, she was like. It really just it hit my heart deep because from the outside view, anyone could sit here and look at Ra's al Ghul and be like, yeah, he was this one off villain for the League of Shadows. But when Talia revealed that it was her that he left behind once he died and that it was Bane who rescued her and kept her alive after no one was there for the League of Shadows, you know what I'm saying? That was deep, and she was like, I waited for years to exact my revenge, and I was going to reconcile with my father because I was mad at him until you killed him. And so I've had to wait all these years just to get back at you from Batman Begins all the way to now. And I was like, dang, bro, all that while overlaying Gordon trying to stop the bomb, Hans Zimmer's somber music, that was just a vibe that I'll never forget. I was in theaters to watch it, too, so it was just beautiful. Um but yeah, that right there is why I have The Dark Knight Rises at number four. I am in shock right You're now. in shock? Why? Yeah. I've never heard of anyone not having The Dark Knight on their top five, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, that I mean, it's just wow. overall, when we talk about The Dark Knight, when you say specifically The Dark Knight, the first thing that comes to mind is the Joker reaping chaos, Harvey turning into Two-Face. But moreover, it's just about the fact of Joker cerebrally beating Batman in a way. You know what I'm saying? That's what it That's what it comes down to. But the whole entire movie, that's what it just is. It's just Joker going ham sandwich, you know. But Bat, 
The Dark Knight Rises just deals with the issues that started with Batman Begins and just sort of brings it full circle. So, and, and for me, that was powerful. What's up, Astro? How you doing, man? But yeah, that was just powerful to me. Dang. Yeah. All right. Uh, but no, I got nothing negative to say about The Dark Knight Rises. I mean, yeah. that film, uh, it showed, to me, that showed Batman at his absolute weakest that we've, we've ever seen, seen him. And I, and, I, and I know that a lot of people point to the Ben Affleck BBS right. Batman. Uh, but man, that Batman didn't get his back broken. Yeah, he did. Like no one was bad. Yeah, no. <laughs> and that's how come to me personally, I think I used to go back and forth on it, but after watching BVS and watching uh, the uh, Nolan movies, I personally think Christian Bale is the best Batman. Yeah, That's per- uh, yeah I, I can respect that. Only because, like you said, in The Dark Knight, you know, they call it The Dark Knight Rises, which was the perfect title because he literally had yeah. to rise out of yeah. the pit. Uh so, I mean, I got nothing negative to say about that. But given that we kind of had that little bit of a mix-up at the beginning with yeah. 300, I'm going to go ahead and let you do two in a row. So go ahead and do your All right. three. Um, Astro Whispers 242 on Instagram says, I love Batman, but I don't like the Dark Knight trilogy. How? I I, I don't know. I, I, but I respect that, though. I respect that. If you don't like it, a lot of people don't like the Nolan trilogy, contrary to popular belief. So I no, that's not true at all. Some people might not like the Nolan Some trilogy. Some people, yeah, but not. It's not. It ain't. No yeah, majority. yeah, that's true. Um, if if you poll people, I'd feel pretty confident saying eight and a half out of ten people. Yeah, love it. I feel. But that's just me, man. Who you got at number three? three I'm gonna go ahead and let you know right now. My last three are all Zack Snyder films. That's just how it is. Like, and I'm not the least. You shouldn't be. <laughs> um, at number three, I have Watchmen. Um, Watchmen sort of shattered my expectation because you know, as a kid growing up, you're not really um, you're not really thinking about the consequences of superheroes' actions. You're not thinking about any of that. You know, you're you're caught up in the the fantasy of heroes being able to save the day all the time you're caught up in how perfect they are they can make no mistakes they're these mythological beings that are flawless um alan moore when he wrote it he said no and zach said this at the vero event at SnyderCon. he said no 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 you know the super superheroes are broken. You know super. It's not like that anymore. They can't be like this. And he reveals like the sort of dirty truth about superheroes that no one wants to, you know, accept is that you know they can't. Well, hold on. Let me say this real quick though, because I hear that a lot and I can understand that. But on the flip side of that, my response to that is part of what makes a superhero a superhero is that they are better than the average human that they are and so especially when you look at a guy like superman which like you said it was controversial what zach did but i'll say this like you know we talked about it batman never losing okay i'll give you that that can get you know repetitive and 
I guess, to some extent, annoying. Yeah. But when it comes to someone like Superman, I mean, you're talking about an all-powerful alien all powerful. demigod. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to imagine him losing. Right. And good. Unless, especially when we're talking about him versus Lex Luthor. Now, if it's Superman and Darkseid, yeah. okay. Because you've got you've got one overpowered being against an even more overpowered right. being. Um, but so that that's just I was just throwing that out there because like I don't personally get irritated with superheroes always winning because right. it's like uh, a lot of people say you know it's yeah. fantasy. It is. It's not all supposed to be realistic. Right. And that that's true. Um, Astro Whisper says, I would say that they aren't better than the average human. They just have abilities that the average human doesn't. That's that's true to an extent. You know, they do have abilities that humans don't. But at the same time, they do have the same moral conscience as humans. They're growing up in the same world that we are. Well, it depends on who you're talking huh? about. It depends on yeah, who you're talking and that about. too. It all depends on which character you're talking about. We can say that Superman has amazing abilities and that he's super powerful, but at the same time, he's governed hum- human wise and morally wise. He's governed by our rules because he was raised by John and Martha Kent. So, you know, how he uses those powers depends on what his moral ideals are and what who he was raised by. Thankfully, he was raised by, you know, um, you know, Martha and John. He said, Astro also says, so because they have powers, we expect more out of them. Um, yeah. In a way, sort yeah. Yes, exa- yeah. exactly. I mean, you would expect, I mean, how could you, like, when it comes to Batman, he's a regular guy. Right. I mean. So the fact that he can do anything is amazing in and of right. itself. He's got no powers. He's just this cool guy. Right. But do I expect more out of a guy who has no powers and cool gadgets, or do I expect more out of a guy who's faster than a speeding bullet, can leap tall buildings in a single bound, has a ridiculously long list of things he can yeah. do, and is basically invincible to every human weapon? Yeah, I think I'd expect more out of well, him. That I mean that that the expectation you can put on suit, and I'll talk about that when we get to number one. But um, the expectation of that is heavy that superheroes have to deal with, despite the fact that they have powers. Um, but before I and I'll, I'll I'll round back up round back out to that later. But as that pertains to Watchmen and why he's number three, it and why Watchmen is number three is because you take an all-powerful being like Dr. Manhattan, who's omnipotent and can be anywhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, even he had expectations on him. The government expected him to cooperate, and he did. You know, he worked for them. He did. You know, the media still slandered him anyway, which is why he's like, you guys got to leave me alone, like, back off, you know, and he had to, you know, he had to get up out of there. But Watchmen showed that yeah, superheroes do save the world. They do extraordinary things. The expectation on them is something that's heavy, but one that they have to do. And I think that's more embodied in what Ozymandias had to do because they did save the world at the end of the day in Watchmen. They did, but it wasn't the way that heroes normally do it. They had to 
do it. It was all based. Yeah, on it a was lie. all based on a lie. You know, um, comic wise, it was a giant octopus that wouldn't have fit into what Zach was doing at the time. So Zach decided to do a new uh, 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 atom blast from Dr. Manhattan. You know what I'm saying? And use the Russians to sort of be the culprit of it all, you know, to bring the world together to unite against, you know, the common threat, which was framed as Dr. Manhattan or alien beings or however much, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, after those things happened, the world united. They came together. They came Mm -hmm. together. And it was absolutely amazing how they, you know, it was brutal. You know, and Rorschach died on that truth. He's like, no, the world's got to be told. Man, don't be spoiling everything for people. They've seen seen anybody who's on the who's on here live has seen Watchmen before. If they haven't, bro, like, bro, (laughs) but but yeah, they 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 got it done. But it wasn't in a way that superheroes normally do, and that to me stands out on why Watchmen is number three. But um, yeah, that's why I have Watchmen at number three, and we'll round back out to that expectational part because they have powers and. Let me say this, though, too, and this is how come I don't have, and I, I don't want to take jabs at Snyder, and I'm not going yeah. to, but the reason I don't have anything he's directed on here is because a lot of his performance, a lot of the people in his movies, like, I've never seen a performance in a Snyder film where I'm like, okay, now this is a performance Not right one. Here. This, I haven't seen many. Uh I mean, I would consider Ben Affleck to be one of the better ones in Batman. Not Superman. even Michael Sand and his general uh, side. I mean, but he he was good, and he was definitely a better version of Zod than what we had from the OG ones. Yeah. Uh, however, it was just kind of a same old, same old plot I've seen before about a villain wanting to bring his planet back. Like We saw that exact same theme in Transformers. So, um, but overall, I would I would have Watchmen on here, but I guess my criteria was just a little bit different. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah and I respect that. I respect that. You know, your criteria is based off your experience because you sat down yourself and you watched these movies and you were well. I just went based off of like acting performances and yeah. good scripts and stuff along that yeah. nature. Um, which number three? My number three is a film that I consider to be uh, the best non MCU movie out there, and and I think it's better than every MCU movie except for one. But I'll get to that in a minute. And number three, I've got one of the uh, Raimi Spider Man films. Okay. Spider-Man 2. Maple, yeah. Understand something? I personally, I enjoy Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker because I think that he is a very believable Peter Parker. It's believable that this kid's a dork who's got some issues. Yeah. Um, But as Spider-Man in and of himself, I was never crazy about it because from the Spider-Man comics I've read, Spider-Man's always been kind of the uh, more sarcastic-like superhero. Yeah. There's that humor element that Tobey Maguire is lacking. Yeah. Um, but 
But even though I prefer Holland and Maguire, this film I like more than any of the Holland or Garfield Spider-Man yeah. films. Why is this? Two words. Alfred Molina. Alfred Molina. Dr. Octopus. Oh my god. My second favorite DC slash Marvel villain of all time in this okay. film. And the reason I love him so much, and I explained this to you, is in one scene, you see this man brutally murder a room full of doctors and nurses, innocent yeah. people. I mean, that's a brutal scene. It is. That is a scene yeah. right there. And then in the very next scene, you see this same guy looking at the water, contemplating suicide. Yeah. I mean, the amount of emotion you feel for this guy. Like, when you first see him, he's this nice, chill professor. There's nothing sinister about Not him. Not at all. You know? His ambition is high. There's, he's just, you know. Like, you don't really get that. I mean, you know he's going to become the villain, but when you first meet him, you don't get the villain vibe. Yeah. You're like, oh, this is a cool guy. Right. Yes. And you you see him with his wife. They love yeah. each other. And then in one second, his wife dies. His experiment fails. And he's like his. He looks around. He's like, my life is essentially over. What do I? What do I have at this point to live right. for? But then the arms put the thought in his head, rebuild it so you can have something to hang your hat on. Do it yeah, again. Yeah, do it again. And then from that point on, he has no regard for his mm-hmm. life. I could tell like, he doesn't care if he lives or dies. Uh, you see him robbing a bank. You see him kidnapping Aunt May yeah. just to get to Spider-Man because Harry Osborn has promised him what he needs to rebuild his machine. Right. And it's so emotional. And then the culmination of all of it at the end when Dr. Octopus sacrifices himself mm-hmm. to destroy the one thing he had to look forward to. He's like, look, I've screwed up, but I'm not, I am not a bad person. And I'm not going not that the monster. Like, yeah, bro, that scene hits hard. That scene hits so hard. Amazing performance, and a big shout out to Alfred Molina yeah. for that shout one. So, Spider-Man yeah. Two at number three. Yeah, that that's a good number three. That's that's a very good number three, man. Um, when when because when you told me earlier, you said one of the criteria is that it had to be. Uh, early 2000, uh, two, all within the 2000s, I thought about it and I'm like, the first film that comes to mind when we talk about prime non-MCU Marvel films in the early to mid 2000s, Spider-Man 2 is that film. You know what I'm saying? The soundtrack, the music, the, you know, the conflict of the situation, everything about Spider-Man 2 screams like perfect superhero movie. You know, back back then when um, when, uh, you know, Spider-Man films uh, have to have a, a band and soundtracks, you know, a music video for it. You know what I'm saying? Which they did with, you know, the amazing Spider-Man as well and some of the other Marvel projects as well. But that, too, as well, just like the whole vibe about it was just awesome. Alfred Milano was an awesome villain as well. So, yeah, that's that's a great a great number three right there. All right, man. We're in our top two now. Who is Eric Houston's number two? Um, 
at man at uh at two, I have Man of Steel. Uh, Man of Steel holds a special place in my heart, and I think people still. I'm like, I'm like you. You have all these people on Twitter, these Superman purists, who believe that somehow bringing Superman into the 21st century has something to do with him wearing red trunks and having an S curl, you know, and copying this Reeves era type vibe that we cannot do anymore because it's a different world that Superman lives in. Like it, it, it is beyond me, you know, it's beyond me. And um, it's, it's man of steel is just a true origin film for Superman. Like that is the film that has everything. It has the music, the villain, you know, it's, it's the complete package of what Superman should be, you know, uh, especially for an origin film of that scale. It was meant to be a new Superman movie, but as well as if it was successful, there would be a door there to expand further to a cinematic universe. If that's what, Warner Brothers and DC wanted to do. Zach perfectly crafted that because, you know, in a world with Superman, you got to have everybody else in there. And so, um, you know, Superman is just a standalone film by itself. is still one of the greatest, if not the best Superman films of all time with, you know, Henry Cavill taking in the, taking in the red boots and the cape Um him being this down to earth kid who's learning the responsibilities of the world, uh, you know, and learning how to live with himself. And, you know, I think overall, you know, um, one thing that gets slept on about Man of Steel is John and Martha Kent. Uh, in every other iteration of Superman in film, it's pretty much glossed over. It's an after fact that, yeah, Clark Kent crashed to earth. And he uh, was raised by John and Martha Kent. They they say that in almost every Superman movie. Man of Steel went in depth with, yeah, they found him, but here's what happened after they found him. There were some struggles. It wasn't just all rainbows and boots. They struggled. They had they struggled with trying to keep his identity a secret. You know, they had struggles with. Um, you know, him uh, going up against bullies and people trying to pick on him. They had a whole bunch of things that Martha and John had to go through in order to raise him. Uh, one of them, which ultimately led in, led to, uh, led to, uh, Jonathan Kent dying. Shout out to Kevin Costner. He was awesome. Um, but yeah, the validity and the heaviness of knowing that you are an all powerful being who can do pretty much whatever he wants to, whenever he wants is something heavy that Superman has to deal with. And so for him to learn responsibility, learn maturity, learn how to, you know, you know, live in this world and cooperate within its rules. If he's going to be the bridge between both worlds is something that is amazing. Needless do I have to say that Michael Shannon was awesome. He was freaking awesome. Um, needless to say, I mean, do I have to say that Hans Zimmer did the best, most icon? Hans Zimmer can't miss, no matter what. I was about to say, when does he not? He, man, this man can't miss. 
not he ha- he did the scores for the Amazing Spider-Man movies. He did not miss. He did the scores for the electro theme song. Holy, Holy bro, the man doesn't miss. Stuff you could play at like an EDM festival, and they had it as a supervillain theme. Yeah, I'll I'll never forget being in the theater watching that, and I was in like these D-box yeah. seats. You know what that is? Seats that yeah. move. Best scene where he like stabs himself with the uh, cable and then that whole beat yeah. drops. I don't know if this was just like me being in the seat, but as soon as that happened, my seat goes backwards. Like, backwards. yeah. And like everything going on, I was like, holy crap, this is too. Much. No, it was, it, it, it was it. not just you. That happened. I think that that happened to me too because the surround sound was so loud. And when they hit the. The when the Times Square scene, of course, was big, and then on top of that, the in, the final battle between Electro, where he does the itsy bitsy spider on the bat on the uh, battery post, I was like, that mm-hmm. is just awesome. Oh yeah. But um, all right. Who is your uh, number two, bro? And before we get to number one, we'll stop and do our honorable mentions. Uh, who you got at number two? At number two, I've got my all-time favorite Marvel film. This film, to me, I I saw this movie. I I used to work in a movie theater, and I watched this movie more than any other movie while I worked there. I saw this movie seven times in theaters. And that is Captain America Civil War. Ah. This film... I lo- I don't know why you say dude this film's freaking I, I say ah be and short it's just short before you go on I say ah because I'm like it's hard between Winter Soldier and Civil War Winter Soldier was definitely to me just like that was that Captain America film like that's the best of the trilogy but I can understand why Civil War is up there I understand well here's my thing with Civil War and why I love it okay. so much is because I think this film perfectly did what it set out to do. And it played with my emotions so much that it's not even funny. Because you've got two heroes in this film, best friends, yeah. and now they're trying to kill each other. Like We got to that point where they were literally trying to kill each right. other. That's where we got to. And the emotion, the whole film was crazy because every I feel like people were divided on who you sided with because they gave them both such strong motivation. You got Captain America, who's got his legit reasons for not trusting any form of government. And he's like, he's like, hell no, the Avengers, we're going to operate freely. But then you've got Tony over here. God bless him. He made Ultron. And look what happened. So you can feel that. Like, I felt that the whole film. And, and, yeah. And then, of course. I was saying, and one thing that I wanted to ask you about, thanks for everyone for tuning in on IG Live. It's about to cut off. One thing I wanted to ask you is that Tony stood by that notion of creating Ultron and putting a suit of armor around the world. He stood by that still, no matter what. Even in Endgame, when he told when he went off on Cap, once he got back, he was like, "I told you we needed a suit of armor around the world, and you still didn't listen to me." So he stood. He pretty much stood by that. Would you agree that Tony was like super stubborn in Civil War, even in Endgame too? I would agree that I would agree that both of them were. Yeah, 
I would agree that they, but but then again, I would say that Batman and Superman were even more stubborn in BVS. But that's another thing. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you could tell he was heartbroken about it because uh, he told uh, Cap at one point because they were talking about signing the deal. Uh, he was talking about you know. Then we had Ultron, which was my fault. Yeah. And then there was that scene where the uh, the woman confronted him about. You know, you killed my son. So who's going to avenge right. him? It, she was and a I hypocrite too. I, I, I said she was a hypocrite too because I know she's grieving about her son. But for everyone who doesn't watch the Netflix uh, Marvel shows, which are tied into the MCU, they just don't mention any of the events of the MCU. Um, she was running drugs and trap houses in the ghetto in Daredevil and in Luke Cage. So her, I don't know. She kind of made me mad with that. I'm like, how are you going to talk about grief when you got people's children dying every day? But go ahead. Go ahead. Continue. But it was her son, so it hit yeah. different. But my point being, all that really showed how bad it got at the airport. Because I got the vibe, and so many others did. Cap, even though he had his team, no, uh, Iron Man, even though Iron Man had his team, he wasn't going to the airport to fight Cap. Right. That's not why he was there. He did not want to fight. And that emotion there was so strong because uh, Tony was about to yeah. cry, begging begging Cap. He was like, bro, don't do this. Like, I don't want to fight you, but this is where we are. This is what so, it's come this to. This is what it is, and, yeah. And then he had that one line. He, uh, he said, you're going to come with us because it's because us. It's us. Because we had seen, I mean, look at all we saw. We saw them fight Loki in the first Avengers. We saw them take on Ultron. We watched Iron Man and Cap put their lives on the line for right. each other. We saw that they were bros. That's uh, It's like the same vibe in uh, Star Wars Revenge of the Sith with Anakin and Obi-Wan. Right. I mean, why did that scene hurt so much? Because it's not just that they're fighting. It's who they were before. Right. Brothers. Like, they were, you know, they were... Uh, uh, fighting together, risking their life for one another, and now here we are, they're killing yeah. each other. That hurts. But then, after all that, they have this fight, and then Iron Man, Cap, and Bucky show up, and you think, okay, we're all good, so right. we're, we're Gucci now. Nope. Because Iron Man watches a video of Bucky killing his, his parents. parents. Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. This is not going to end yeah. well. To me, it, I know some people would be like, well, why wouldn't people just let Tony, uh, why wouldn't Tony just let Cap explain? Because he just watched, he just his, watched parents his parents die. die. Right. He just watched on film his parents die. Right. That's going to mess with you. Yeah. Tony was not thinking straight at that yeah. moment. And then for Cap, to get in the way of them two going at it. Yeah. You can probably tell why that hurt Tony. Right. He's like, this man killed my parents and here you are protecting him. Right. And, and so that, that whole fight sequence about had me crying. Yeah. Because I was like, dang. And civil war to me is the most serious tone of all the Marvel MCU films. Like I know that Spider-Man provides a lot of comic relief whenever he's on screen, but the last half hour of that film with them three fighting 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. That hit hard. And see, and that's one thing that I give it over Batman and Superman, but it's kind of unfair because Batman v Superman was the first film they were in together. But watching them fight, you know, they weren't like good friends before. It was just a misunderstanding between the two. This is their first time yeah. fighting. So to me, there wasn't that big personal connection of, oh, no, you know, you guys are best. Don't do this. Don't fight. This sucks. Yeah. No, it was just, okay, cool. This is Batman and Superman. Let's, Let's go. But mm-hmm. with, with Tony and Cap, everything we saw before that, everything that they'd been through to now be trying to kill each other, Dang. Yeah. And whenever Cap got on top of Tony and broke uh broke his suit with the, the reactor uh, with his shield, I was like, Oh my god, this is hard to watch. Man. Yeah. And then you know, and even in Infinity War, you know, that kind of bled over because they weren't fighting together. Yeah. So I mean it's not like at the end of the film everybody was all hunky dory and Cap and Tony are best friends again. It didn't end that way. Yeah. It didn't end that way. They're like, no, there's still some bitterness there. Yeah, big, big um, time. Because all the Caps team got arrested because of Tony. Yeah. So so it's like, that film just hit hard. That film hit hard. The lines were amazing. The choreographing of the fights was pure perfection. And to me, that's what makes it the best of the MCU films. I feel you on that. I feel you on that. Um. And just to piggyback off what you were saying about the final fight, and reason reason why I said is because I consider Captain I, I consider Winter Soldier that that the meat of that conflict at the end of Civil War really spans from a lot of what Cap found out about Hydra in Winter Soldier when he found out that Zoloff had everything to do with. Uh, Hydra surviving, switching over into the government, infiltrating S.H.I.E.L.D., um, igniting all of the events and the assassinations of political leaders worldwide, it made me question right at that moment. I'm like, how many people did he kill? Did he, did Winter Soldier have anything to do with Martin Luther King dying? Did he have anything to do with Kennedy dying? Which I think it said that. Did he have anything to do with Stark, with uh, Tony's dad and mom dying? You know what I'm saying? I wanted to know that. So Civil War basically confirmed for me that Cap knew that the whole time. And for him to have kept that from Tony, you know, that I think that hurt Tony more than anything. And so I'm well, see, like I said, it kind of put both of them in the, in the wrong. Yeah, that's true. And so but you but also what was amazing about that film is introducing the new Spider-Man and. Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther, which was awesome. Yeah, I agree with that. That they, and that's another thing too for them to factor him in and give him such a strong motivation for wanting to kill Buck. Yeah, like to get him in there too. That was another emotional factor. Yeah, but um, let's go ahead and get these honorable mentions going. Oh uh, yeah, before we get to number one, the honorable mentions list. I have about seven of them, but I'll breeze through them. Uh, I have the Punisher. Featuring Thomas Jane, that was one of my favorites of all time on my list. What um, the Dark Knight at number two because it is highly regarded as the best by a lot of people as the best of the Nolan trilogy. 
But for me, it was just, it's too Joker-centric. It's Joker takes over the whole thing. Get to your next one, Eric. It does. It does. You can't lie. The Avengers at number three. So? What's the problem with that? Nothing wrong with that. Uh, The Avengers at number three. All-time classic uh, for me. Uh, The Incredible Hulk from phase one at number four. Highly slept on. How people think it's a terrible movie is beyond me. But oh well. Um, Iron Man 1 and 2 at 5. They're both staples. And number 6, the whole Raimi trilogy. I'm just going to say that. The whole darn Raimi trilogy. And at 7, I have The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which was awesome as well. That one sat with me very well. So yeah, those are my... Uh, I'm what only, about? I've actually got about 12, but I'm only going to do 4. Alright, Ben. Uh, and these are in no particular order. One of them's Watchmen. Okay. Uh, that's just a totally different film. Uh, really make you question what was right, what was wrong the whole time. Yeah. There's not that straight line. Uh, another one is the original Michael Keaton Batman. Gotcha. I think that movie gets slept on a gotcha. lot. Uh, Jack Nicholson in that film was absolutely stellar. Yeah. And I get really agitated whenever people say that Heath Ledger was far and away the best Joker. Yeah. Which, even though I agree that Heath Ledger is my personal favorite Joker, yeah. you can't take anything away from Jack Nicholson. No, he was spectacular. Yeah. And then following off that, also the other Keaton Batman movie, Batman Returns. Yes, it was very campy, and it was kind of silly. The fact that Penguin actually attacked Gotham with an army of penguins. <laughs> but... But this was like the 70s and 80s. Like This yeah. was a different time, uh, and Burton, I think, killed it, but it was mostly brought together by spectacular performances by Christopher Watkin and Danny DeVito. Yeah. Um, and then one more honorable mention. There's a lot to pick from yeah. here. Um, dang. I said I'd do one more, so I guess uh, if I had to do one more, I'm going to show some more love to the MCU and put Avengers Endgame on right. there. That's... Even though I like Infinity War better, uh, the last scene in Avengers Endgame is comparable to the fight scenes in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, so, that, that was Lord of the Rings saying, type moment. Yeah, And, that, and that's saying something because Lord of the Rings is regarded as many as being the best fight scenes ever. Right. All right, now that we got that out of the way, I already know who you're going to say, but who's your number Man, one? Man, you already know. It's Batman v Superman. You already know. The Dawn of Justice at my number one. Um, I, I can go through a laundry list of reasons of why it's the best, but I'll stick to a, just short, a short few. Um, because number one, from a and we've had this argument and debate and discussion many times over, but and and between me and you, the understanding about who Batman should be and how he should be betrayed is already established. For me, it was more along the lines of other people. A lot of Batman fans, not well, uh, I, I, I'm not going to say majority. I'm going to say a lot of there's there are a lot of fans who agree that oh yeah. Ben Affleck was awesome. His Batman was amazing, no matter if he killed or not. And then there's the other half who, you know, was like, this is downright disgusting. This is not Batman at all. But 
what a lot of those people never listened to was the fact that it's showing Batman from a fallen state. If he kills, yes, okay, he killed. That was going to be corrected in Zack's Justice League, as ever, as I've always said. It was going. He was going to morph from that and take a no kill code in in past of what he learned about Superman and humanity. He was going to do that, but we're going to see that soon on HBO Max. Um, but bat, as far as brutality, as far as inner conflict, the whole detective part of it, Ben Affleck was quote unquote. If I the best Batman ever to me, that's just to me because it's subjective. But to me, the embodiment of how he portrayed Bruce Wayne, the physicality, the the PTSD that he suffered from the Black Zero event, worrying about Superman, being paranoid about alien attacks. You know, he's like, this is beyond me and Gotham. This is not about me and criminals anymore. This is about the future of the world. And if I don't do this now, then everything that I've ever stood for and the world are going to disappear with it. So that's the way he felt. Superman, on the other hand, and, and this this goes back to what um, what uh, Astro said on the IG Live when he commented about, so just because heroes have powers, we expect more of them. Yes and yes in a way to, yeah, because Superman had powers in this movie, yeah, we they uh, the whole world expected a lot more of him. Uh, on the other hand, I think it's a no because that expectation can be breaking even for the strongest of people. They crucified him in the news. Clark was going around doing what Superman is supposed to do, save people. He was helping people. They showed that. But the world would not let him, you know, you know, because there are consequences to everything, good consequences and bad consequences. Even though Clark saved the world from General Zod, there were still consequences as a reaction of that. Some not so good. A lot of people suffered. A lot of people died. A lot of people lost uh, limbs as um, as one guy did that ended up testifying against Superman and becoming a puppet for Lex. Um uh, there are a lot of negative negative things that came out of that, even though Superman saved the world. And those are consequences that Superman has to deal with. So when they said maybe he's not some Jesus or, you know, whatever character, maybe. Hey, yo, go hey, ahead. Keep talking. I'll be right, All right. back. Um, he said maybe he's just a guy trying to do the right thing, which essentially is all Clark ever was. In Superman, in a Batman v Superman, he was just a guy trying to do the right thing. And is that is is that not what is that not what you would ask of a superhero today? Is to just do the right thing? You know what I'm saying? But you know, it's it's not it's not a black and white world anymore for Superman. Um, so Wonder Woman being introduced and the Justice League being introduced was also awesome as well. Diana shares this sort of point of view where she's given up hope on the world until she meets uh, Batman and Superman and they're in this conflict and she has to come through and intervene. She has to help them. You know what I'm saying? So that was just, that was pretty much, I think that's a top 10 iconic reveal moment in, in superhero film. Like when Wonder Woman came through, that was just, that was iconic and nobody can take that away. Um, the villain. Lex Luthor, 
Lex, Lex is coming from a place of hate. He doesn't like Superman. Superman is the embodiment of everything that Lex needed as a kid to protect him from his dad, who was very abusive, and he wasn't there. But, you know, now Lex hates, he spews hate for Superman. He hates the very ideal of who Superman is um, and seeks to expose him for everything that Clark can't do. And he does that. He is a master manipulator. And you pointed out earlier that, yeah, Superman could just smash and defeat, you know, Lex Luthor. But Lex is no ordinary human. That man is genius level intellect. He knows how to manipulate people and he will do it. And so that's what Lex did to Superman. He manipulated him. You know what I'm saying? He wanted to beam him. He wanted to beam him straight to hell right then when he looked at the pictures of his mom. But he's like, "Uh -uh, if you kill me, Martha dies. And if you don't go kill Batman, like I told you to, Martha also dies. So either way, it's lose-lose. So you can't do anything. And that, to me, is an iconic. That whole speech on top of the roof was iconic. And he's like, by the end of it, he's like, now God bends to my will. And I was like, dang. Like, that just, that's tough right there, Superman. You got to swallow that. You got to eat that pill. That was tough. But um, one more moment that then before we move on one more moment that I consider to be iconic in Batman v Superman is the Martha scene and because and I say this because and I'm not crap like I said let's establish this I'm not crapping on the MCU I'm not saying anything is wrong with the MCU and the formula that- because you can't yeah you can't I'm not gonna say that but people's people's inability to see why this scene is relevant and why it's so good is beyond me. And it still escapes people today. It goes beyond just both of their mom's names being the same. That's in comic, that's comic book. Their names are the same. It goes beyond that. It's about Bruce seeing a chance at redemption. When he hears her name, He's, he doesn't know Superman. He doesn't know a darn thing about who Superman is. He doesn't know where he comes from. He just knows at that point that this man is a threat and he has to be dealt with no matter what. But until he says a name he recognizes that's very near and dear to him, oh, who's that? Why did you say that name? What's your reason for saying that? Because I don't know anything about you. I don't know who you are. I just know you're a threat. Why are you appealing to me from a place that is close to me? And in that moment, he sees that, yeah, you know, his parents are being killed, you know, and they're dead now. But because Superman's mom needs saving, he has a second chance at redemption and turning this whole thing around and being like, I, and that's when he says, I guarantee you, Martha won't die tonight. I'm not because in the nightmare scene, you notice that because he lost Lois in that perceived nightmare future you know, Superman turns evil. So imagine what would have happened if he would lose his mom. The same thing would have happened. That's why he said, I won't let Martha die tonight. Because if Superman goes down the road... Well, uh, allow me to explain something real quick. On behalf of everybody who thought that scene was poorly executed, Batman in that movie, what, like you said, he was portrayed at being very... Uh, brutal and very it was a dark portrayal of Batman so it's hard to imagine 
that after him watching Superman tear down buildings and watching Wayne Towers collapse and everything else that happened, Batman had every legit reason to think Superman was evil. Yeah. And and it's like you said, you even told me that, uh, because I was telling you, like, how come Superman, when they first met, didn't just walk up and say, hey, look, Lex has my mom, and he told me to kill you. Can you help me out? That, which that could have easily been the what he opened up with, but he didn't. Uh, but your response to that was, well, that wouldn't have made a difference because Batman didn't care. Yeah, Batman wouldn't have cared. Um, and then after that whole fight, he says Martha, and now he cares. Yeah, like out of the blue, like we go from, you're gonna kill the world. I watched you do what you did. But because you said Martha, yeah, I changed my mind. Because he knows what it means. For him, he knows that he lost his mom and his dad that night. He lost them both. But, and but what but you even told me you were like, why would Batman care about Superman's mom at that Right. Point? But because her name is Martha, super notice that the whole movie, the act so if, if Superman's mom would have been named Beth, we'd be screwed. Okay, yeah, we'd be screwed. But notice that the whole movie, the con- everything that happened to Bruce, they even started out with Bruce's parents dying. The whole consequence of that has been eating him up the whole movie. He's been a crime fighter for almost 20 plus years. He's done with the cycle of taking criminals to jail, putting them in jail just so they can get back out and hurt people again. So he's killing him now. It makes no difference to him. But now, through understanding that he has an opportunity to do it a different way, that he has redemption by saving Clark's mom, it was a shock to him. He's like, Martha is my mom. My mom died. So once he backed up off that, Lois is like, it's his mom's name. It's his mom. Also, where the hell did Lois come from? She got to a chopper. She she came from the Daily Planet and went. She been people. Why do people sleep on Lois this whole movie? This whole movie, she's been investigating and figuring out everything that Lex set up the desert thing. Lex did all these things, so she pieced that together. She she knew exactly what it was, and after she got pushed off the building, Superman told him told her where she where he was going. He's like, I gotta kill the bat, or or he's gonna kill my mom. I'm going to Gotham. You will know when you know. That's that's how it's going down. No one stays good in this world. And he flew off. So she knew what was going on. That's why she flew there. She needed a chopper. She told Perry, Perry, I know where they are. So that's where Lois comes from in that whole ordeal. That's where, you know, that's where she came from. Look, I, I'll give you everything you've said about the film. We've debated this a thousand times, and we're not changing either of our minds. On we're this. not. It's it. We're not. It, we're not. I mean the the film does suck, but it is what. Oh it is. whatever. Um, oh what. Oh whatever. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But who you got at number one, man? I'm I'm surprised. I'm, I really I don't know who you have at number one. I can't guess. Oh bullcrap! You don't know who I have at number one. Who do you have at number one? There's only one film, in my humble opinion, that could take the number one spot. This what to me it wasn't close. I wrote this down at number one. And then I did my best. Number one, in, in my opinion, the best superhero Marvel DC movie ever 
The Dark Knight. Okay. And it's, for me, it's just the perfect film. Not even, I mean, you take out, like, because a lot of people, you know, they get on the MCU films, oh, they're really their own thing, they're fantasy, they're not necessarily good comic book accurate films or whatever. This film right here is just a good movie overall. Whether whether you're a comic book fan or you're not, the acting in this film across the board is second. And this isn't subjective. Like, because to me, acting abilities are not subjective. We're able to look at actors and say, okay, this person's a great actor, this person maybe not so much. Uh, In this film, everybody was on their a game beyond Heath Ledger. And I mean, and honestly, at this point, what can you say about Heath Ledger that hasn't been said a million not times? Not a thing. But Aaron Eckhart as Two-Face, phenomenal villain. Phenomenal villain. And I think his origin in this film was the best we've ever seen. The fact that Joker had the role in it and he planned for it to happen. Yeah. Holy crap. That's awesome. Right. And you know, I said that almost every Thanos line is iconic. Yeah. With Heath Ledger's Joker, it's every every line. single line, every single line. everything well, he says yeah. is so quotable and so amazingly acted to perfection. Yeah. The script was perfect. The acting was perfect. I have, I have tried to nitpick this movie, and I can't do yeah. it. Uh, this film changed the game for comic book films. And to me, and this is just my humble opinion, I think this film with Nolan did way better than any other attempt at making superheroes realistic. Yeah, because Nolan doesn't do all that, all that CGI, all that. He don't do all that. Mm-mm. No. Well, and then like just this Joker, like I said, he's not walking around with an acid-spitting acid spit, flower. Yeah. He's just this. Oh my! I'm I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it again. He's the embodiment of chaos. Yeah. He has no moral conscience. He considers everything to be a joke. And the scene at the end, where Batman's got Joker, and you think, okay, Batman stopped him. We're all happy. And then Joker's like, "You really didn't think I was dumb enough to risk this whole thing fighting you, did right. I? I mean, come on." You and I both know you'd destroy me in a fist fight, so I had to do something else. Right. And then the subsequent scene following with Harvey Dent and the commissioner's son. Jesus. Right. I mean, watch, like I said, watch the first scene Harvey's in and then watch that scene. Yeah. And you'll see what I'm talking about, man. Like the character development, too, is second. Like just everything about this film to me. The acting, the script, the memorable moments, yeah. all of it is second to none. Yeah. Um, I don't consider this film to be just the best superhero movie ever, but I also think it's one of the overall best movies, period, ever made. Yeah. Uh, Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne, I mean, amazing. Yeah. His Batman's amazing. Uh, and then... This was the only film I've ever seen that made Commissioner Gordon interesting. Yeah. Commissioner Gordon has always been just kind of there. Right. Like, he's never really 
been given that much of a personality right. like he was in this film. Right. Um, now we got that year one sort of take on him where he's in action more, you know what I'm saying? He's intricately involved. But I mean, but honestly, though, I am going to speak on it more. The number one reason we all love this film is Heath Ledger. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we can. there's a reason why every list that you can find has this film at number one in terms of superhero movies and why Heath Ledger's Joker is always considered at least number one or number two of any. He took it over. It's because he completely stole the show. Yeah. And and that's really what happens every time the Joker's in a film. Right. Because uh, Jack Nicholson did the same thing in Michael Keaton's Batman. Like People don't remember Michael Keaton as Batman. They remember Jack Nicholson's Joker. Right. But Heath Ledger, his screen presence is unlike anything I've ever seen. Yeah. Like every time he's on the screen, you're not looking away. Right. And can, um, good. Hmm? Like, no, and can I not. add this that Heath Ledger's joke? Because in every iteration of Joker, to me, Batman always has the overwhelming chance to win and beat Joker in every iteration there is. But with this one, when Joker's hanging upside down and he's giving that upside down speech, he's so haunting because he's like, this was never about me and you being physical. This was about some spiritual, you know, fighting for the soul of Gotham type stuff. And he's like, I think the line that everybody sleeps on the most, that's most iconic to me and scary to me. He's like, I think you and I are destined to do this forever. I feel like in my personal opinion, had Joker if there was a continuation where Batman didn't retire after the Dark Knight Rises and he kept going and faced Heath Ledger's Joker again, I believe that Heath Ledger's Joker would have killed Christian Bale's Batman. I believe Joker would have won outright. That's how scary and convincing and and dominant Heath Ledger's Joker was in the Dark Knight. I honestly believe that he still, even after all of the events of the trilogy, would have got out eventually and he would have defeated Batman on a spiritual level, on a moral level, and on a physical level. He would have got him. To me, that's how scary Heath Ledger is as Joker. I don't know if I'd say Joker would kill Batman because Joker would never kills Batman no matter how scary. Because um, even in the comics... I mean, as maniacal as Heath Ledger's Joker was, there are more brutal adaptations in the comics. But yeah. um, I get what you're saying, though. Yeah, like so, it's just Batman can't win with Heath Ledger being a Joker. It's not not possible. <laughs> and then uh, also to speak on this too, Christopher Nolan's directing. Me personally, I think Christopher Nolan is easy one of the top five best living directors. Top three would probably be more accurate. He is. He is. Um, the only other two that I might have above him is Martin Scorsese and Steven Spielberg. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be our next our next podcast. We got to do that. Top five directors. Top five directors. Living or living and dead. It could be living and dead because you know there are a lot. There have been a lot of great directors throughout the years. Some living, some dead. But though the masterpieces they made, you know, they're still strong. Because when you, when you talk about dead directors, I mean, you got to throw Stanley Kubrick in yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. Another goat. 
but yeah, man, th- that's my top five. I respect that. That's that's a good top five. I respect that, man. I I need to rewatch these movies because I don't I don't buy anything on DVD or physical form unless it belongs and has earned its way on my shelf. The Dark Knight trilogy is on my shelf. All three of them are on my shelf. So there, and I have not one, not one. I tell you, there is not one MCU movie on my shelf, honestly, because I just feel like that's, and this is just me personally. I feel like they don't like from generation to generation, they don't, the MCU films won't resonate with me now like they will if they won't, you know, in 50 years, but on some Christopher Nolan stuff, Christopher Nolan's movies stick with you. They'll be here long after he's dead. Those will be the bomb long after he's dead. I don't know, man. I don't think MCU films will ever go anywhere. They'll be in the history books forever, for sure. Just, I mean, and, and see, I, to me, a lot of them did resonate with me. Yeah. And I think that it's kind of unfair to say that all of them are just the same campy, happy-go-lucky film. Yeah. I mean, there's some there's some truth to it, but, I mean, not all yeah. of them. Yeah, that's true. But this was fun. This bro. one was a good one, bro. I enjoyed the heck out of this one, man. Thanks, everyone who tuned in on IG Live and commented and got involved in the convo. Thanks to my boy Evan, as always, for being on. That was a dope top five list. Hope everyone has a great weekend. Have a great Friday, and we'll catch you guys later, man. Peace. Peace. Thank you for joining. This has been another edition of J House Radio.